This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, welcome in. If I may, and thank you, Rick. Uh, you know, we go into golf. We got another what? I didn't do the math. 29 weeks, probably 28 weeks consecutively. At least. And we're coming off the playoffs yesterday, the NFL playoffs. And can I just say... And I tweeted about this yesterday, but can I just say, I love the purity that is golf from a betting and DFS standpoint, because there's no officials, there's no controversy, there's no human error. You are betting on a golfer in DFS or in the betting market, and it's on that person. And therefore, it's on you. You can be accountable for the guy that you picked. And so I I am actually relieved I get to endure that for the next 30 weeks. Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, I think that is very sweet. Sia is so sweet thinking that golf is pure and that these guys are taking the best possible drop and they're not looking up into trees with binoculars to <laughs> uh-huh. see if their golf balls in there. How th- <laughs> that was so cute. There was so much hope in that opening. There are outliers. There are always outliers. Always outliers. Um, but I love the accountability aspect. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. I mean, the, you, the buttons you click are on you. Uh, um, we're, look, we're here to help you do that. And hopefully, uh, you click a lot of the buttons that we recommend. They work out many times. They don't work out many times, but ultimately you're making the decision. So you got to have some good reasoning behind it. You got to understand why you're doing what you're doing. And when you take that personal accountability, I tell you it, it works. So I love what you said there. See ya. Uh, we've had a busy day. We were actually two minutes late, Sia, because we were trying. We were comparing sleep habits to see if any of us could get better sleep or more of it. Did we come out successful or not from that conversation? I mean, I, kinda. We'll see. You, there were some suggestions uh, yeah, outlined. I, I may take you up on a couple of those. Uh, if you have any sleep suggestions, this is now a sleep pod. Throw them in the chat right now. Also, Greg, how about this for a professional tease? We recorded something earlier that I cannot tell you what it is, who it was with, or when it will be released, but we did it earlier today. Wow. That yeah. is uh, quite a tease. Yeah, um, thank you. I'm not sure what to look forward to. Yes. Uh, although I do know. So I know exactly what to look forward to, but I won't share it here. That's right. No, we'd have to, we'd have to bleep you out and kick you out of the room if you share it right now. Uh, This week, thankfully, the final course rotation of the season. I am, I've been saying that all week. That is right, isn't it? I can't think of another one. I think it's right. Because once Uh, we get to Florida and like, you know, it's the Florida swing and then it's, then it's summertime and you have the hour. I've been saying that. I'm pretty sure it's correct. Yeah, I think the next one is not till what, like RSM, something along those lines. Uh, yeah, that that doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's next season. Right. So I think this season we are um, officially done with course rotation, which is exciting. After this one. After this. After this. Pebble Beach. This is my website, RickRunGood.com. That's where I'll show you all the stats and everything else for the rest of the show. Uh, see ya. 
not last week, but the week before the American Express was a three-course rotation. That's what we're getting here. Again, we're getting Pebble Beach. We're getting Monterey Peninsula. We're getting Spyglass Hill. One round for every golfer at each of those three courses. 54-hole cut. Everybody goes back to Pebble Beach. The noteworthy items... These are some shorties, right? I'll flip through I'll flip through the scorecards here, but the longest of the 3 is Spyglass Hill at 7041 yards. The short guys have a chance. Absolutely the short guys have a chance. So that, it's going to be really interesting to to diagnose this in terms of what we want to pay attention to, but another thing to point out is that Pebble is going to be the only one with shot link. So Monterey and Spyglass don't have shot link. That's right, right guys? We we still don't have shot link at Monterey H- and Spyglass. Historically that is correct, yes. Okay. So, I mean, you know, I, I guess the focus is on Pebble, but Pebble's only going to be half of the four rounds. So it's just something to consider. But I, I like the fact that they're all short, and I think they they all kind of call for similar things. So we don't have to reinvent the wheel every time we're going to a different course. Uh, Pebble Beach specifically, Greg, because that is the place we'll get the shot link. That's the place we'll get the two uh, the two rounds at, and a, a specific, specifically the final round. Very small greens, uh, maybe if not the smallest greens, the second smallest greens on the PGA Tour schedule, and uh, yeah. you'll you'll notice it with with some of these shots that come in. There's not a lot of wiggle room out there. No, I mean think about it. the one that sticks out to me as being just a tiny green is the eighth. Uh, I, I suppose seven is a pretty tiny seven's, green. Seven's pretty small. <laughs> uh, six is pretty small. Uh, so they're they are small greens. Um, Eleven is tiny. Man, there are some whole locations on eleven that are just um it is so narrow there uh, but there's a lot of wedge opportunities um and and like you said the short guys have a chance you can hit a lot of drivers if you want you don't have to um and, and it's not really one of those places where you have to hit it to the corners of dog legs even though it's shorter uh, but there are some bunkers and some things to consider so you get some decisions off the tee and then you got to be really precise into the greens. Uh, and should you miss them, you end up with bunkers and rough around the greens. And you can find yourself with some really tricky golf shots um, in the short game area. But the other thing about this place is similar to what we saw last week at Torrey Pines. There's quite a few short putts missed. So th- that makes short game even more challenging. You hit a, a pitch shot, maybe uh, when we get to the Florida swing on Bermuda greens and you hit it to four feet, there's a pretty good chance you're going to make that. But there is some real work to be done that from, you know, three feet and out uh, on, on these greens. There's a lot more break. There's some bumps and uh, and things like that with the POA greens. So it, it's a it's a good test, despite the fact that all three courses are pretty short. West Coast POA is no joke from three, four, and five feet away. The other thing, Sia, before we move on to the cheat sheet, and uh, Greg already mentioned this, this is kind of a wedge fest, right? You get a Mm -hmm. lot of wedge opportunities into these greens, way more from some of the shorter ranges than the tour average. I'm not a huge fan of like the 75 to 100 yard buckets, but I think this week is, that's the week. To, to use it right you see on the on the course key stats highly correlated to success approaches from 75 to 100 yards um approaches from 50 to 125 that's kind of how tom hoagie took apart this place last year it's just go get yourself a wedge number and hit your wedges close yeah and it's a big point of emphasis for me in this one and to your point i, I know how much you love buckets and that's loaded with sarcasm of course but maybe maybe and, and, and i don't know how people want to run their models but maybe 75 to 100 isn't the one to run maybe it's 50 to 125 maybe it's 75 to 125, 75 to 150, however you want to run it, but perhaps something larger than 25. And I noticed on your, um, on the, on the metrics there, you had the 50 to 125. So yeah, that's going to be an emphasis for me. I'm going to look at approach, but I'm also going to break it down sort of in that 75 to 150 range as well. Yeah. The 50 to 125 was one of the more highly correlated, um, stats uh, for this course to compare to success. Okay. We are going to jump over to the cheat sheet and we're going to start talking some names, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Four golfers in the $10,000 range. Jordan Spieth, 10600 Victor Hovland back in action, 10-3. Matt Fitzpatrick, 10-1. And that man, the defending champion, Tom Hoagie, a flat $10,000. This is fun, Greg. These are some these are some good names at the top and a little bit a little bit different, right? Fitzpatrick playing, Victor, this is an event that he doesn't always play. So this is this is interesting. Yeah, uh, Victor, we've seen at Pebble twice, once in the U.S. Open, once in the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Jordan, obviously a regular here, uh, and Tom Hoagie has been rather regular as well. Um, do, you know and, where, do you know where Victor won his uh, U.S. Amateur? Uh, Pebble Beach? That is correct. Yeah, so uh, definitely a nice history here. Uh, he played really well at the U.S. Open here as well with the T12 finish. So um, it, it's it's a... It's a great little group up here on top. And and I do think, to break it down a little bit, I think all four guys are playable. Um, I have my concerns about Jordan Spieth. Mm. I know I love Jordan here. And and I think he, he's almost one of those horses for courses locks. Right, right. You, it doesn't really matter what his form is when he comes in here. I, I like Jordan here. So I'm not saying stay away from Jordan by any means, but just looking at some of his proximity numbers heading into this week. Um, I mean, he's hitting a lot of greens this year, but he's not really um, gaining strokes approaching the green. He's not hitting it very close. I, I want to say he's 211th in proximity to the hole this year. So that's a worry. But he is one of the best wedge players in the world. So Jordan is playable. I just I happen to have concerns. And it, when I look at this range, I don't like using this as a get right game for my for the top price player. Um, that just there's something that doesn't sit right. And then you go down just a couple of a couple of players to Matt Fitzpatrick. And this is not a get right game for Matt Fitzpatrick. Matt Fitzpatrick is right and he's been right all along. So I, it, it's hard for me to play Jordan when Matt Fitzpatrick's sitting there, Tom Hoagie's sitting there, who are my two favorite plays in this range. And in the 6K range, we have some weakness, which we'll get to later. Um, but if, if I'm trying to avoid that 6K range at all costs, it may be worthwhile to avoid a Jordan Spieth. Um, and perhaps you can fit him in as well. But I, I think there's a lot of value in getting Matt Fitzpatrick in your lineup. And look, I mean, look at what he's done on the greens. Right. Look, look at what he's done off the tee. He is a he's automatic with the driver. He's a driving cheat code and he doesn't get talked about as one of the best drivers of the golf ball in the game with Rom and Rory and all those guys. But he's averaging 305 off the tee this year uh, and he's averaging like 67 percent of his fairways. It's it's a lethal combination and. For a guy that's not that long on, on the PGA Tour, the last time he lost strokes off the tee was at, at the match play, which is questionable in and of itself. Yes, it is. Um, before that, you could go back to the player. So it's not really a huge difference, but you're almost a year out from Matt Fitzpatrick losing strokes off the tee. Uh, and the putter isn't really much of a different story. He's inside the top 20 on the PGA tour and strokes game putting. The guy is so complete. And I think this is a, a great spot for a Matt Fitzpatrick win. Even Matt Fitzpatrick's the best player in this field. And he's the third most expensive player in this field. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Last, last 50 rounds, Matty Fitzpatty, 1.28 strokes game per round. The only guy gaining at least a stroke per round and doing it across the board, all four major strokes gain categories. Very, very well-rounded when you get on three different golf courses. I like that. See, let me, let me show you something here um, because Jordan Spieth, it, it's a hefty tag, uh, 10,800. 2008 or 2006? 2006. 2006. It is the most expensive that he has been uh, since right here. Where was it? Uh, Valero. Valero? I thought I had one where he was 10-8. 10-4, 10-8. 
Yeah, 10 8. It's right there. It's the BMW. Okay. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Okay. And then the week before that, he was Memphis. That was the example I was looking for. So te- basically, he has not been more expensive than this since since the 2021 FedEx St. Jude. Look at his form leading into that event. Uh, mm-hmm. That is like 17 top 20s out of 19 with a win and a bunch of top fives, a bunch of podiums, green all across the board. He's ball striking the heck out of it. He's putting like crazy. That is not the Jordan Spieth that we have right now. No, it's, it's, it's totally right. I mean, we the what we just looked at was the Jordan Spieth, or I should say the Jordan who won all those championships with the Bulls. What we're seeing right now is the Jordan who tried to play for the Chicago White Sox. I mean, it's just the reality of the situation. That's, what, that's, wow. that, that's what we're seeing right now. And so for me, and I totally agree with, with Greg's assessment, unless somehow he's going to be super low owned, which of course he's not because people deem him a horse for the course. It's one of those situations where do I want to get the get right spot at the most expensive golfer? And the answer to that is an emphatic no for me. I mean, I, I kind of hate this range. There's two guys that I like. Ironically, the, the guy I like the most is, is the guy that's probably the least talented, but perhaps the best course fit. And that's Tom Hoagie. You guys know I'm trying to be president of the Tom Hoagie fan club each time he's in a tournament. But yeah, how's that I, going? Uh, not well so <laughs> far. Um, I, I had him in the one and done two weeks ago and it, it didn't pay huge dividends, but uh, we can get to the one and done later. By the way, thanks, boys. Thanks for letting, thanks for giving me the out. I, I do appreciate it. I'm just saying. We'll get to that later. But here's the Great thing. I, I, we'll talk about it. Yeah, I like Tom Hoagie quite a bit. I mean, I'm, not just because he's a defending champion. If you look at those proximities that we talked about, and Rick, I think you already said this, he's excellent. Like, he's oh. just going to be comfortable at this course. Before the first place finish, he was 12th place. The thing about Matt Fitzpatrick that I don't like, and maybe you want to back test this or back check this on, on Rick Run Good. You don't have to do it now, but those proximities that we're interested in, he's not reading out super well. And because I'm putting such an emphasis on that, I'm just and, and because he's such a great putter and I think Poa can lend itself to some randomness. I'm just not super interested in Matt Fitzpatrick. Part of that is my bias, because every time I play him, he doesn't play very well. That's just kind of my thing. It's a circumstantial thing. But for me, it's Tom Hoagie and it's Victor Hovland. The one thing about Victor Hovland that scares me is with these small greens, I wonder about the around the green game. Is it back for Victor Hovland? He's been okay lately, but man, these screens are so small. The, the wind is going to be up certain days. I'm sure we're, we're going to see some bunker play from Victor, some just general around the green game play. And it, it does worry me a bit, but it's Hoagie and, and Hovland for me. And then I move on. Uh, if you like the buckets, Hoagie is top 30 on tour. So in this field, significantly better than that. Top 30 on tour from 50 to 75, 75 to 100. 125 to 150 and from 100 to 125 he's third so that is like so that that's what i like looking at the when you've got like 125 yards worth of goodness all around in every direction mm-hmm. and then you look at it and then you look at at him and, and he passes the eye test of being able to flush the wedges yeah that that makes sense to me and, and real quick because i looked at the weighted stuff too not not with respect to the proximities but we, with respect to tom hoagie on rick run good you know clicking on that weighted i think is a huge help first of all but he's last 36 rounds he's fifth weighted t to green he's first weighted approach and he's first weighted greens in regulation like yeah. give me that all day okay i got a, i got a question here because i look at hoagie every week too you know, typically I loved looking at Hoagie last year when he was a 6K guy or a low 7K guy. Uh, even when he got up into the eights, he certainly earned that spot. Um, but it, the iron play was a potential thing. But are we seeing right now great uh, great iron play, but it's not really leading to the results? So third of the tournament champions. He, yeah, he did. He gained 10 shots uh, approaching the green. Which is not that uncommon for him. Yeah. Also, also, this is the least talented field. Uh, like relative to the last two tournaments, this is good. There's way less talent in this one than the American Express and the Sony. All right. And I the Century. I see what you're saying. I just uh, sometimes I look at guys and their strengths. And when their strengths are strong, do the results match? So do you use someone's strength to, um, you know, tout them? or play them when their strength isn't necessarily the thing that leads to great results. They need something else. So is there something with his uh, putting, which has been fine um, or his driving accuracy, which uh, has been very, very fine as well. I would say, is there something else that he needs in order to really perform well? Now, century tournament of champion says, no, he can do it just on iron play. 
Um, but does he need that? Does he need another one of those? Yeah, he needs he needs to know. gain like two strokes putting. Right, two, not a ton, two. Okay, and and I don't know how much you guys are emphasizing around the green gameplay, but that that can be his Achilles heel, a little bit. So I, I mean that that would be an argument against. I do think it's important. I I really value value it. Yeah, me too. Small, are you thinking that, Greg? Because small greens equals more missed missed greens. Yeah. Yeah. Weather as well. Yeah. I mean, Spyglass Hill is n- not an easy golf course. I think it was 16th most difficult on tour last year. Um, they're kind of in the 30s, so maybe slightly easier than normal, but very short. So there's there's a lot of challenge in this golf course. Uh, distance just isn't one of them. Right. So, uh, I mean, um, the, the greens are hard to hit. And when you're Tom Hoagie and you're extremely aggressive into flags, Victor Hovland the same way, you allow for some misses of, of greens, which is okay, but you got to lean on short game a little bit. Um, I Now, I do like rough around the greens for guys like that, especially Hovland. Uh, the bunker play would worry me, but it's not like we have runoff areas all over the place. Um and that helps. That That is the one thing where I, I think short game is really important here. I don't know how important short game stats are here because you can, I think with, with when you have rough around the greens, it, it helps out the guys that struggle with short game. Uh, I can tell you as someone who struggles with short game, that is absolutely correct. It does. The $9,000 range... I think the nines are just as big as the eights, maybe bigger. Seamus Power, Andrew Putnam, Matt McNeely, Justin Rose, Matt Kuchar, Denny McCarthy, Keith Mitchell, Joel Damon. CL, I'm just going to pass this tier right over to you and ask you who we should play. I think you can start your lineup if you want in this 9K range. And that's not exactly like I'm not just like, you know, blowing up the board here. But I think you can start with Seamus Power. I, I love the recent form. I, I really like what he's done here over the last three years, a 38th, a miscut, and then a ninth place finish. But it's really the recent form. I think the game is kind of coming back for him. And he he checks a lot of the boxes for me here as well. Now, if you look at like the last 36 rounds or last 50 rounds, it's not going to look for, good for Seamus Power. But if you just lower the sample size, because we've seen the uptick in his play last 16 rounds, he's been elite. And, and on shorter courses, I have him rating out when I put that filter on, I have him rating out pretty well a, a, as well. So I do like Seamus Power. Um, the other two guys that I have my eye on hang tight on Seamus real mm-hmm. quick. So yeah, he's actually been, uh, I think he's been pretty good, right? So he, he wins in Bermuda. He had the back-to-back top fives to end the year. Okay, at the Tournament of Champions, nothing to write home about. He played in Abu Dhabi two weeks ago, gained six strokes on approach, lost nearly five with the putter. That's not something he does pretty frequently. And then you're right, um, I don't have it. I don't have it in front of me, but like courses, like like short courses, 7,100 yards or, or fewer, he's like the best player in this field on short courses. Right. Absolutely. And so also, uh, yeah. Yeah, to your, to the way it rates out, I mean, you got a first and a third that didn't count. Right? There's no shot link data at, at those mm-hmm. venues. Also, so I, I think that really probably affects it. The other mm-hmm. thing is uh, anecdotally, he was like five shots clear after 36 holes here last year. Right. Yes. I mean, he, now that you could argue that was a disappointment, but I think it was a T nine at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty smitten on Seamus. Yeah, I like Seamus. Another guy I like is Andrew Putnam at 9,700. I wonder how popular he's going to end up being because he does kind of check every box. But then on the other hand, there's a lot of guys in this 9K range you can play. And, and Andrew Putnam's never really been a sexy play. Like same with Matt Kuchar, who's at 9,400, who I kind of like. But I think I like I think Andrew Putnam's a little bit more exciting for me there. But again, around the green, the proximities I'm looking for, greens and regulation, all those types of things. Uh, Putnam checks every box there. The, the, can I tell you? Can I tell you that mm-hmm. uh, every time I don't play Andrew Putnam and he gains ten strokes putting, and someone tweets me Andrew B Putnam, it drives me crazy. And then I played him recently, and he like did this. He like gained a bunch of strokes, and I was running around the house like Andrew B Putnam. It's like <laughs> it's like the most annoying guy in like on the basketball court, but you want him on your team instead of like every you know what I mean. It's mm-hmm. like I God, it's so annoying this guy, Patrick Beverly. That's yes, you just that's exactly right. Andrew Putnam is the Patrick Beverly of golf. <laughs> that is the only comp those two will ever have together. 
And for the record, these metrics don't really like scream at me. I mean, I, I kind of hate it that it's just short game with him. But but again, he's been good here. We've seen him pop. His recent form is very good. So I, I'm okay playing Andrew Putnam. The last guy I'll mention at 9,000 is Joel Dahman. Uh, again, another guy in the fall swing who was really, really good. He hasn't played much lately. I think he just had a kid. I, I'm not exactly baby. sure. Baby. Right. So strokes gain narrative, however you want to twist that one. I don't know when the kid, I don't know when the child was born. So I I can't really evaluate how much stress he's under and how much time he's been away from his golf game. So that's something to consider. Like that's something to actually consider. I don't know how much he's actually been playing over the last month or so. But with that said, the history here is great. And his fall swing record has been great. Do I want to play 9,000 for for Joel Dahman? Usually no, but in this field, you know, he's a guy that will go after pins too. And so I, I don't mind Joel Dahman. You got to see the baby. I think it was Thursday the 19th. Oh, recently. 11 days ago, according to Yahoo. Shirts need perspective, Greg. Yeah, that will change your perspective for sure. But there's a lot to like about him. Uh, You're talking about tied six last year. Uh, tied 14th a couple years ago as well. So uh, that record's pretty strong. I love the where his game was in the fall. I don't know how much that'll affect it, but I think it's a really good course fit. So he was one of the, one of the names I wrote down as well. Um, I, I like the Dom in play, but there's one that I'll add Damon. It's Joel Damon. Yeah. My bad. Um, I was going to say, you got, I I was like, did Greg just like what Greg just like, sucked me into a black hole. I didn't know what happened there. Damon. Thank you. I Damon. thought I was the, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Cause it rhymes with Gaiman. This is, he's the only right. player on tour whose name rhymes with mine. Oh, is that true? Well, I assume. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So I got a couple thoughts. I, Seamus power. I like, mm-hmm. don't love. I'm much more comfortable paying 9,800 for Seamus power than I am 97 for Andrew Putnam. Even though I like Andrew Putnam's mm-hmm. game, I think it makes sense. Um, I it's it's a str- very strange range for me, where I don't have a, a ton of confidence in it. But um, there are two other guys who I'm interested in. One, Justin Rose. Mm. I I think there's something kind of brewing with Jay Rose. Um, this veteran player who has done very well at Pebble Beach in the past. He's comfortable leaning on that short game, comfortable leaning on the putter. But the ball striking's kind of coming around a little bit. It's it's a lot paler, which means those numbers are getting closer and closer and closer to zero. Paler. Um, yeah. But look at the results. It is pale. I mean, I know that's a great, I've never considered that's a great way to describe it. Everything's pale with it. Yeah. It's like nothing's, nothing's cool. Nothing's good, but nothing's bad. Nothing. It's all the way across the board. And so, you know, he's close with the driver one week, but not quite loses a little bit, but makes up for it with a little gain in putting and everything is kind of working. Everything is close. And then I look at the results and yeah. you go the two events he's played this this calendar year, tied 26, tied 18th. He's starting to get into a little bit of a rhythm. This is the third week in a row now that he's playing. And and I like the trend that Justin Rose is on. And and I I do feel like with Matt McNeely sitting right there, uh, with a Denny McCarthy who can get popular at times. I, I feel like Rosie may be kind of left out. Uh, and I think, I don't know about you, Sia, but I feel like McNeely's going to soak up a lot of ownership. Yeah, I mean, I, he was a fade for me. When we did our early Ed show with uh, Jonathan Coachman and Patrick McDonald uh, last Wednesday, uh, We in that show, we do a lot of betting stuff, but we pick three DFS players to play. Homo was one of mine, by the way. All three made the cut, but the fade was Mad McNeely because I just knew he was going to be popular last week. And if it's the same this week, I'm not playing. I put Mad McNeely in like, you remember a couple of years ago when Harold Varner III would be like really popular in let's say the 7K range. I understand it's a different caliber of player perhaps, but I'm never going to play that guy. I'm never going to play Brian Harmon popular. And it's the same thing with uh, Matt McNeely. I'm out on that. Well, McNeely's got all the Pebble Beach ties and the great results, and and he's playing the best golf of his life. And like everybody's gonna want to play. I if I were looking at this, like I love Matt McNeely, right? I've probably bet him, him and Aaron Wise. I bet every week, but. Uh, th- this is a guy who was a hundred percent reliant on the putter. If I just saw this, if I just saw this stat profile, didn't know the name, I'd be terrified of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'd never bet on it. Never. 
Right. But then, but then I look at him. I'm like, well, he's fit, and he's like going to Pebble Beach, and like yeah, I, getting longer. Yeah, like I like the rest. Of, you know, he's getting he's he's okay. He's not like yeah, a smart guy. Person. Works on it and works hard on it. He I can get fly a plane. That. He can do all. He can do everything. So I, I guess the whole my whole point in this is I, I feel like McNeely is going to suck up a lot of that ownership away from Justin Rose. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and I think Rosie this is a place where he could really contend. So I love him. And then the other one that Sia did not mention who um, I'm very interested to get your thoughts, but Keith Mitchell, Keith Mitchell is a great driver of the golf ball. Typically I like to play him on golf courses that are um, a little more challenging where great driving is rewarded. We've talked about that a lot in the past, Rick, but he, he came in tied 12th here last year. He has a tied 32nd as well. Um, So he, he has put together some good tournaments here and, and I, I really like the way he's swinging. I like the way he's hitting the ball. Uh, and, and I think he's kind of gotten his season off to a good start as well. So I'm, I feel like you're going in a little early on a Keith Mitchell, uh, but I'm okay with that this week based on this profile. I generally like that he, we're starting to see a little more ceiling out of him. Um, you know, the T9 in Houston, the T22 at the American Express, because he had that stretch where he was stuck in only between 35th and 60th. That's all you were ever getting out of him. And it was it's so that's frustrating. Not, it's not good enough. It's just not good enough. Um, so I generally get Keith Mitchell wrong, but I am I am happy to see that. Yeah, he, he obviously drives it well, and there's a little more upside that he's tapping into as of late. Let's continue this conversation. We'll go to the eights, the sevens, and the sixes. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Before we jump into this, Sia, now it's the time for the one and done conversation. Uh, hmm. There has been so much one and done drama this year from Mark sneakily changing off of Xander Shoffley uh, to Sia wondering or, or claiming he got his pick in in time or then saying, well, the deadline is arbitrary and made up. I, I, long story short, Sia. Uh, we've ruled it. We've ruled in your favor. We accepted your pick from last week and you got 200 and something thousand dollars from Jason Day. Well, I do appreciate it. And for the record, for the record, the court reporter, if, if they could just uh, make sure this is on the record, I, um, I never maintained that I got my pick in on time. That's I true. maintained that the time of 8 a.m. in the morning on Tuesday morning when the tournament is already just you know, a one day early in so many unorthodox circumstances that that was not only arbitrary, but there was no attempt at getting my pick prior to that eight o'clock show. Except on Monday. Thanks. Well, Greg, okay. is, Greg is the only Greg is the witness. Exactly right. Greg is the witness that on this show, I said, we are going at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. You have to have your pick in. Greg said, absolutely. Doing it right now. Sia said, I'll get it in. Never did. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I'm willing. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, Greg, right. here's, here's what I'm going to say. So last year, and this isn't on Troy, uh, but last year, anytime somebody didn't have their pick in, you would get a text from that person. And Troy usually does that. But because, oh. and, and by the way, that happened to you guys too. So let's stop oh, pretending that I was the my, only one that got reminder texts. My producer didn't remind <laughs> me to get no, my it's pick not, in. No, it's not about Troy. I wouldn't expect him to remind me at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time because it's such a ridiculous and arbitrary time. It's not arbitrary. Is, it's what time the Mega Preview Pod is. No, right. it's arbitrary because it, that's when you chose to set the show because you were driving to Pebble Beach. I, I agree. That's that it was, arbitrary. I agree that it was based on my travel, which is why I felt bad. And we accepted it because it was still 24 hours before the thing. But it's not arbitrary. It's when it's when the mega preview pod is and you were reminded on Monday. But. Yeah. And there's a purpose behind that. Right. You don't want to be you don't want to have people watching and waiting and deciding based on what they saw. I'm now, doing I, it for the fans. I'm doing it for the fans. Right. Right. I mean, this needs to be a level playing field. So we got to maintain that deadline. But there's one thing that I learned before the show today. Had I known may have affected my kind ruling to see And I'm not I'm not arguing it now. There's no takesy backsies here. Um, but Sia mentioned that he sleeps in as often as he can. And I think this quote unquote arbitrary deadline is really just another way of saying too early. Yeah. I wasn't awake yet. That's all. Oh, that's absolutely accurate. That yeah. is in my favor. I feel like you're arguing in my favor as opposed to against me. 
Yeah. Well, I, I mean, are we going to just accept? I guess this is the grace period. So <laughs> laziness is accepted for now, but uh, it's over from here on out. What? Who was the pick? It was who Jason was Day. Jason Day. I couldn't remember who it was. Jason Day, he got 220 something thousand. I think six of us played Jason Day. <laughs> yeah, everybody played Jason Day. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of chatter for like for everyone who played Jason Day. <laughs> yeah, except except Patrick and I. Uh, I don't know if you guys know we played Max Homa last week. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it on Sunday a little bit, <laughs> Kyle and I. Yeah, sorry um, about that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's understandable. <laughs> you know, hotel internet is arbitrary. It's arbitrary. It's all arbitrary. The $8,000 range is available right now from Taylor Pendrith at 8,900, Thomas Dietry at 88, Alex Smalley at 87, Ben Griffin at 86. And we round it out with Kisner, Burmy, Taylor Moore, David Lipsky, Trey Molinax, Eric Van Royen, Nick Taylor. See, correct me if I'm wrong. That's a, that's a pretty big 8K range, right? Or small 8K range. Why does it feel so different to me? I mean, it seems about right. Maybe on the no. touch on the small side, I, it's Maybe a good not. question. I don't know. I uh, know it's a. It, I think that's about right. To be honest with you, um, let's spend our yeah, money. This is a range where, just like last week, I, I ended up sort of skipping the 8K range in large part. Like that's where Jason Day was. It turns out I didn't have a lot of Jason Day because I, I just decided to go, you know, 9Ks, 10Ks, and then go down to 7K. I think I'm going to end up building like that as well. But I probably will have a lineup or two with Ben Griffin in it. He has no experience here, and, and and I don't know what you you all think about whether or not that sort of factors in. I do think that matters, but I love how he's playing and and the way he's rating out with with the things I'm looking at for this tournament. It looks really good for Ben Griffin. I know you're pulling him up now. Ben Griffin might not only be the best Griffin in the field, Lonto. He might also be the best Ben in the field, in which there are a lot of them. Four, five straight events gaining off the tee. Uh, seven gaining on approach. He can get hot with the putter. He's on TikTok. This guy does it all. Oh, he's on TikTok. That's news. It's, yeah. it's, it's mediocre on TikTok, but it's okay. Um, I, I wrote down Ben Griffin as well. And this, this ball striking just speaks consistency to me. It speaks reliability to me. Uh, the results have followed it to a degree. And it's very easy to see which levers he pulls uh, to, you know, relate to that finishing position. So if he, you know, gains four strokes putting, he's probably going to finish inside the top 20. If he loses a little bit putting, it's probably going to be, you know, around 30th. And and it's very clear to see because he's so reliable tee to green. Uh, and, I, and I love playing reliability like that. Um and I think it's a really fair price. So I wrote him down too. Go ahead, see it. No, I was going to say, so Ben Griffin, there's, there's not much else I like. I do like David Lipsky. I think the problem with David Lipsky at 8,200 is he's going to come out on top on most models, I think. And when people, not on top, like literally number one, but he's going to be way up there if you go back, let's say 24, 36, 50 rounds. And in that case, I wonder at 8,200 if he's going to end up being popular. If not, First of all, if he's popular and you play cash games, I think he's a great cash game play. But if he's super popular, I'm obviously not going to play him. But I think 8,200 for David Lipsky is more than fair in this field. So he's the other guy I'm looking at. One other guy to mention, I just want you to bring it up, maybe after we look at David Lipsky, is Eric Van Royen. For some reason, he was sort of high up in my in my model. I don't think anybody's going to play him. And I just want to see what we're looking at here. Was your model uh, last four rounds? Because then it would be very, very good. He was, <laughs> he was great. He was great. at The American express T six. He actually made the cut at the Alfred Dunhill. That was a, a European tour event in, in mid December, struggled a little bit in South Africa. And the end of his 2022 wasn't great, but maybe finding something here, uh, that T six at the American express was his best result since boy, since a year for a full calendar year, De uh, desert classic of last year that that was last week, a year ago. So, and I'll yeah. tell you, I, when, when he did show up high in my model, I should have probably uh, qualified it. It was when I had the shorter courses filter in as well. So that's maybe mm. something to look at with Eric Van Royen. Uh, okay, Greg, how else can we allocate our $8,000 in this area? I mentioned that I like Ben Griffin. Uh, another guy I really like, and this I, I believe to be a horses for courses play, uh, Nick Taylor played really well at uh he played really well at the Sony Open 
just a couple of weeks ago. He's obviously a, a winner here as well. Um, but he finished tied 14th last year, tied 39th the year after his win. He also has another T10 here as well. I, I think this is a great spot for Nick Taylor, and I'm I'm willing to play him. It, it's been, except from last week, it's been some really good stuff with his iron play. So yeah. there is some you know data behind just, well, he plays well at Pebble Beach. I, I think his game is rounded into form as well. Yeah, if you're like me who played Nick Taylor uh, in his last start, the American Express, and he missed the cut, I think you got to give him one more chance because he yeah. still has he still has three top 20s this season. Two of them are top sevens, including two starts ago, the Sony. And as you mentioned it, I mean, I, I had the I had the results up. I mean, he's he's been great at, at Pebble and he's been great at this event. So I think if you gave him a chance at the American Express like I did, uh, you got to give him one more go. And even if you didn't, it's probably you probably zigged while everybody else zagged and you now have a chance to get Nick Taylor at a pretty decent spot. Right. And uh, we talked about him heading into the American Express as well. And I remember you saying, Rick, this is Nick Taylor kind of season. That's what I said. Um, you know, actually, it might have been the Sony. It might have been before the Sony. Maybe. Um, any Anyway, I, I think he could be a really good play. Uh, Eric Van Royen, um, we did talk about before the American Express, although we kind of backed off of it. And the only reason I remember bringing him up because I was curious about uh, his talent level versus the results we've seen and having a little bit of time off. And I think that really um, did end up showing through, but I'm not, I, I still feel very uneasy about it. So I'm willing but it's not comfortable. I prefer Nick Taylor over him. Just real quick, Greg, on that. I, the only, I think the main reason to bring up EVR is as a pivot because people will play. It's not like Nick Taylor is going to be super popular. People will play Nick Taylor. They're going to play maybe a little bit of Brandon Todd. David Lipsky is going to be popular. Nobody's playing EVR. So I think it's a good game theory play at the very least. Yeah, I would take it on that, on that merit. Um, I got one other guy for the 8K range. Uh, let me guess it. Yeah, you know it, Rick. Oh, now now I don't know if I know it. Um, I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be Taylor Moore. No, Dean, is it Thomas Dietrich? Yes. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. I would have. See, I should have guessed that first. I knew it. (laughs) Don't you hate when you do that? I know. Worst. (laughs) Yeah, I love the the Thomas Dietrich results. I feel like we still don't really know who this guy is. Um, You know what what it is that Thomas Dietrich does so well, but the results. Just they're they're not lying. They're just very steady inside the top thirty-five, seemingly every week. Uh, and it, his price may be a little high for that kind of ceiling, that kind of upside. But I I'm very impressed when a player from the DP World Tour transitions to the PGA Tour and has similar success. Right, the game travels, and I'm wondering if Thomas Dietrich is ready for a pop. So I, I'm I'm more than happy to play a Thomas Dietrich. The only problem is you got to kind of choose him over like a Joel Damon or um, or a Keith Mitchell, some of those other nine K, maybe even Justin Rose, some of those nine K guys that I like. Um, and I would kind of put him right in the middle of the pack there. So I think I think he's a very viable option. The sevens. Lead off with Brendan Todd, Scott Stallings, Davis Riley, Robbie Shelton. They go all the way down to hmm, Austin Eckert, Charlie Hoffman, who's sporting quite a beard these days, Dylan Fratelli, and Eric Barnes, who had the best weekend of anyone last week who's playing in the field this week. He putted uh, the lights out, right? Well, I was going to leave that part out. Yeah, it was absolute foe. Like he gained six strokes putting on Sunday alone or Saturday alone. Wait, I think he opened his round with five, four or five straight birdies. Yeah, it's not. I'm not. Nah. I don't think that's happening again. Yeah, a little worrisome to me. So you want me to start? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, so a couple guys that I really like here. Uh, one would be Nick Hardy has my interest. And this is very similar to the Ben Griffin thing. You just look at... And and it goes against my common theme here. Uh, but Nick Hardy is proving himself to be a great ball striker. And he's just one kind of great putting week away from a really nice finish. And, and I think since he's shown this, basically this entire PGA Tour season, uh, which started, you know, back in September, he's gained strokes 
off the tee and approaching the green in all of them. Now he's basically lost strokes around the green and putting as well, which is why it varies for me. But I think there's still a lot of upside with Nick Hardy there. So I'm, I'm willing to go that direction. Uh, he's at 7,700 at 7,600. I'm also quite impressed with SH Kim. Uh, who I think has shown some not as consistent tee to green as Nick Hardy. He's shown a little more volatility, but he's definitely shown more prowess on the greens uh, and around the greens as well. It's been very impressive on and around the greens, but I love what he does with his approach play has the ability to um, maybe not pop, but, but hit it really nicely. Yeah, I mean, and you get some good results out of him. T4 in Vegas, T13 at the Sanderson, T12 at the Sony, T20 last week. I mean, that's all That's all this season. That's uh, that's oh, more yeah. top 20s than a lot of guys have this year. Yeah, he spatters them around. So it's really high upside, and I don't see him being extremely no. high-owned. No. So I, I love that play. But there's one other that I – well, maybe two, but one other I love – uh, and this would be if there's ever a place for me to play Russell Knox, this yeah. is it. Correct. <laughs> right. And I'm not a Russell Knox guy. I, I, I know he's really good with his irons. I know that's what I always look for first. It's my favorite stat to look at. Um, but, but this is a Russell Knox kind of golf course. He has a tied seventh, a tied 14th, a tied 15th, a number of other top 30 finishes here at, at Pebble beach. I, I just, I think the distance, which is where he loses strokes constantly, but it, it, he loses strokes off the tee because of his distance. Right. Um, and you look here, Rick, when he plays Pebble beach, he can gain strokes off the tee. Because distance isn't rewarded quite the same. So I, I really like that. And we're seeing some pale stuff around the greens, uh, which is which is good for him. Uh, top 15s in three of his last five trips to this event for Russell Knox. Okay, Sia, you're up in the sevens. How would you like to break it down? By the way, I am a Russell Knox guy, and I couldn't bring myself to put his name down in this range. And I, th wow. I think it's just the upside thing with him. It's just he never really cashes in. And I understand he's a low enough price where he doesn't have to top 10. But I think there's guys in this 7K range that can. I don't know. Maybe you just convinced me on Knox. But he was he was somebody I was thinking about, so I just wanted to mention that. Um, You're going to play him. <laughs> I'm going to, you're right. I am going to play him. Um, the low 7K range, that's where I kind of love everybody. And that's always a dangerous, when you're like in love with all the guys in the low 7K range, probably, most of them are probably going to miss the cut, like kind of a too good to be true type thing. But I'll just name a few guys here. Ben Taylor at 7,200. Uh, he has experience here. It's middling experience. But when I looked at his weighted metrics, the metrics I wanted to look at, uh, they looked really good. Now he's coming off two missed cuts. So maybe. You know, of the bends, it's going to be Ben Griffin that gets all the attention and the guy who just missed two cuts isn't going to get any. But I think Ben Taylor and the adjusted fit model, Rick, on RickOneGood.com has him way up there. Yes, it does. And I'm I'm proud of that model. I've been making some back testing adjustments to it. And I, I guess I could just pull it up. But it looks at... Um, you know, it looks at what's important to the golf course, which is something we see every single week. And then it looks at what golfers that you or what, or however many rounds you want to look at. So the default is 36 and then looks at the skill set for each one of those golfers and just says like, based on their normal stuff, what's be a better fit for them. And Ben Taylor ranks pretty highly around this place. Matty Schmid, uh, Mav McNeely, Ben Taylor's third, Harry Hall, Ben Griffin are the top, are the top five. So yeah, I, I saw that as well. And there's your guy, Greg uh, Keith Mitchell. So that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, the other two guys, I'll, I'll mention a few others. Uh, Grayson Sig at 7,300. Uh, he finished 33rd here last year, which is telling. I mean, I think that's that's certainly solid. I think most people would think he doesn't have any experience here. But when I looked at the weighted metrics, um, they really checked out for him as well. Uh, Kevin Yu never played here. Uh, weighted tee to green, greens in regulation, best in the field last 36 rounds. So that's pretty great. I think Kevin Yu has plenty of upside at 7,300. I'll mention as a pivot, I think Scott Piercy is interesting with his experience here. He's, he's got pretty good experience. He's a lead around the green. Um, he's more of a pivot play than anything. Troy Merritt I'm considering, but uh, I probably won't get there with Troy Merritt. I think a lot of people will jump on Troy Merritt because of the experience. But it's Kevin Yu, Grayson Sig, and Ben Taylor. Those are my favorite three. What do you think it would cost to sponsor his hat, Greg? Scott Piercy's hat is currently blank. I have no idea. 
I can't. I couldn't even guess. Why would you? Uh, I mean, that's just he's doing it as a billboard because you. Why wouldn't you just wear a hat like any hat? This is actually just wearing a hat to say, I don't have a sponsor. You could buy this. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Like, why wouldn't you could just wear, wear you know the logo of his club or we could wear like the a uh, uh, New York Jets logo or like literally right. anything. Right. But hey, th- this is a business, very much so. <laughs> um, so yeah, but there's a lot of things that goes into those sponsorships. It, you know, it's not just well, we'll put it on the hat. I mean, many of these guys become partners, and they're doing corporate outings for them, and they're doing, uh, you know, in, in some cases maybe commercials. So they can, um, they can vary dramatically, and it's a lot more than just simply the logo on the hat. Well, Scott Piercy does not have a logo on his hat, so he is apparently available if anybody is interested. Uh, sixes. Sure, let's do the sixes. This I, I do not like this tier uh, at all. Uh, Andrew Novak, Austin Cook, Doug Gim, Jimmy Walker, Kevin Tway, Luke Donald, Matty Sh- uh, Schwab, not Matty Schmidt. Actually, I believe he prefers Matthias Schwab. MJ mm-hmm. Duffy and Marty Dow are all... $6,900, all of them. The min price golfers at the very bottom of this. Who are the min price golfers? DA points, Bo Van Pelt, two gloves, Tommy Ganey, def- uh, past champion Ted Potter Jr. Out to Dustin Johnson around this place. Jeff Ogilvie. Wesley Bryan's 61. Wesley Bryan's like a YouTuber now. It's actually, it's actually good stuff. Um, all right, see ya. Good luck. Yeah, Kyle Stanley also sixty one. Just throwing that out there. I think Kyle he, uh, Stanley is he going to play this week? He didn't he? Was it last week he withdrew? Or week oh, before? he did withdraw recently. I can't remember. Well, he's on the board, and he finished in the one of the, one of the two last two times he played here. He finished, I think, thirty ninth. So I'm a, I'm a I'm a Kyle Stanley guy. That's I, I, if you would have said Rick, guess exactly what Kyle Stanley's finishing position was. I would have said thirty ninth. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, I don't like this range much either, but there's a couple guys that do jump out to me a little bit. Henrik Norlander rated out kind of well for me, believe it or not. Yeah, um, he's had some flashes of, of decent play. The proximities looked pretty good with him. Uh, the other two guys I'll mention, Ben Martin. I actually think Ben Martin's a, a pretty solid play at 6,700. Uh, he can get it going on approach. Um, the approach game is bad, but it's trending upward as of late small sample size there um good from the wedge and short iron proximities uh off the tee is the big weakness for ben martin but shouldn't be a problem here the last guy i'll mention is sean O'Ta- uh, sean o'hare uh, his weighted metrics are solid as well and the experience here is actually kind of solid he's 6600 obviously nobody's going to play either of these two guys so I-, I think they're decent plays here in case you were wondering sean o'hare played in the Bahamas Great Exuma Classic at Sandals Emerald Bay, RIP Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship. This is now the new best name in all of golf and finished T37. He was $9,400 in that Corn Ferry field um, and then missed the cut last week. That's not so bad. It's pretty good. Mm. Okay, Greg, find me some value, please. Uh, This is a tricky... Tricky, tricky range. So I'll give you how about three names? Okay. One, I feel uh, uh, this is just on a complete whim. Perfect. And I just have a feeling that things could go pretty well. I love I don't, it already. I don't like doing this at all. Um, but at 6,500, Marcel CM. Okay. All right. All right. Go now, ahead. <laughs> Tell me why. <laughs> uh, um, part of this is okay. Oh, all right. So there's a couple of nice events on the European tour, which I like. Yeah. Um, partly, I feel like I'm basing this as I'm basing the Open Championship on recent form. Uh, I'm looking in your Holy Grail right now, Rick, and it do- yeah. it doesn't have the European tour stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, so. For it. Um. Oh, what what do I have to, what do I click? So drop down more filters, and then click. Uh, at, I think I default. I think I defaulted out just to so it doesn't have to load so much data at the start. Got it. And then you can add it in. Yeah. So I'll add all those in. Yeah. Then they're but, here. But you're you're you're. I mean, he's played well on the on the yeah. European tour. So he yeah, has his, I, he, he has, and he's also played well here too. Look at look at his record here at Pebble. Yeah. Okay. He's got a tied eighteenth. 
All right, here we go. So here, here here's uh, Marcel Seam, I believe. Uh, okay, Greg, he played here in 2015. Yeah. He finished T18. Re- this is recent. It was eight years ago. <laughs> Look, this is not a range where there's... <laughs> let's let's stick with the, the actual recent stuff is good, too. So, yeah. so he went 19th at the Afrasia Bank Meritus Open. That's a European tour event that was played in mid-December. The week before that, the Alfred Dunhill Championship, T47. Uh, the week before that was the South African Open, T5. And then the week prior to that was the Joburg Open, T16. So he's played well in the European tour. He's gained eight strokes, eight strokes, 11 strokes in those three starts. It, it, it If... It's almost entirely European tour stuff, except from July where he played the Barracuda and the Barbasol. But he, yeah, he he plays well. This is this isn't going to be that strong of a field. No, and I I think this there's a realistic chance. Again, it's a it's kind of a feeling. I like what he's done on the on the DP World Tour. I like I love the story from the Open Championship last year, which is why he's fresh in my mind. And I love his performance in 2015 here. Um, so I think for all those reasons, he's a, a very playable option. I got uh, another field play for you. Okay. All right. Um, this is a stretch. Uh, but it's Vincent Norman. Oh, hmm. do you know this story? No. Okay. This dude freaking smashes the ball. He's, um, I'm going to get this wrong, but he went, he was like, Mark, Mark was telling me about this. I was hanging out with Mark on Thursday. And oh, is, is he the guy practicing in the winter in the I snow? I don't know about that, mm-hmm. but he okay. is. Uh, this is the kid who went to Florida state, right? For a year. Yeah. Okay. So he was like, he was like playing like in the same conference as Mark, uh, in, in Georgia and they had the COVID year. So he got one more year of eligibility and, and he goes to Florida state. Uh, he's like better than John Pock there. And now he's coming out. He's got his tour card through the corn ferry and this dude smashes it. Like he reminds me, uh, he's like a skinnier, like Joseph Bramlett. Like he moves it, dude. It's, it's actually, it's actually pretty impressive to watch. Joseph Bramlett's not a bad play this week either. I completely agree with that. Uh, I, I think he's very viable. But yeah, I had a pretty good feeling about Vincent Norman. Maybe it's just because I saw his name on the, you know, as they're scrolling through the leaderboard yeah. last year. But all this stuff is okay, right? It's it's okay stuff. And there's not a lot of okay in this range. He's very, very talented and very raw. And he's just got to yeah. kind of put it all together. So I'm willing to go there. But th- there's a there's a, one last guy. Yeah, who's the third one? If I may. The Please. third one is, and I don't know how to feel about this. Uh, but it's Kevin Tway. <laughs> Boy. Look, just check out these notes. Things are turning around for him. We brought him up last week. They're really brought, turning around. I mean, they're, you're starting to get a nice string of uh, driving performance. Starting sure. to get a little smattering of better iron play. The results are starting to follow. The thing about him, like you say that name, I say the name, I get uncomfortable because results for so long have been so bad. But is is Kevin Tway a guy that can win on the PGA Tour? Yes. Um, it, it's just been a real rough patch. And I feel like he's on his way out of it. I think Kevin Tway is coming back to the light. And when his talent is in this, on display, when he's playing to his full potential, he could be one of the better players in this field. There's a huge if there. And there's a reason he's in the $6,000 range. But I, I'm starting to see... Uh, a positive upward trend that I think makes him worth the risk in the 6K range. He has gained strokes off the tee in five straight, something he hasn't done in 18 months. He's gained strokes on approach in two straight and three of his last five. Ball striking four out of five. Around the green, three out of five. Putting three out of five. So it is definitely way better than it was. Right. I I don't know if it's good. It's pretty good. It's okay. It's fine. And it's way better than it was. And I think it's a, a lot better than some of his peers, price-wise. That's probably true as well. Uh, David says he is uh, far and away the best option in the six <laughs> <laughs> which is nice. seemingly a perfect segue to yeah, our our uh, strokes gain narrative portion of the show. If you came for legitimate golf analysis, 
you might as well stay for this because we are going to have a little bit of fun here. Uh, okay, Troy, what do we what do we got on tap? These are some lineups that you can make based on narratives around this week, and they have been submitted via Twitter to uh, Sia. This is Ryan at the fantasy at Fantasy Bunker. Pebble Beach always makes me think of Pebbles from the Flintstones. Which one was Pebbles? Who that was the daughter, the baby, I think. Fred and Wilma's daughter. I believe so. Yeah. And Bam Bam yeah. was uh, the other one. Oh, look at yeah. you with the dated references, Rick. Thank I'm you. proud of you. Thank you. So, uh, Ryan says, here are a few other classic cartoons. Robbie Viss and Butthead Shelton. That's Robbie Shelton. Satoshi, he- Satoshi Man Kadaira. He-Man. Scooby-Doo, where are Kevin You, The Web Simpsons. That's pretty good. G.I. Joel Damon and Tom. Oh, I see what he did here. Okay. Yeah. Tom Yogi Bear. <laughs> the H is silent on that one, I suppose. Yeah. but By was... the way, this is one of two Flintstones lineups that was submitted, and I just didn't want to submit to. So the other person, uh, I think it was, uh, I think he's in the chat, actually. Um, uh, Submit next week. It just happened to be two Flintstones ones. Weird. Submit a Flintstones one next week. Who knows what will happen? Uh, all right. <laughs> now, this is a – I believe it's a rap, right? So this is The Fresh Prince of Zach Blair. Do we know who wrote this? It's John Markowski. Oh, this is John Markowski, the yeah. goat. Okay. So I'll read you the first uh, – well, let's see. Now, this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside brown. Scott Brown. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Zach Blair. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on a playground is where I spend most of my days, <laughs> chilling out, mavin, relaxing, all cool, all shooting some b-ball outside of a school. When a couple of guys who were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood, I got in one little fight and my mom got scared and said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle and Zach Blair. I whistled for a cab, and when it came near, the license plate said fresh and had dice in the mirror. If anything, I would say that this cab was rare, but I thought, nah, forget it. Yo, Holmes, to Zach Blair. Here we go. Spottom up. I pulled up to the Haas about seven or eight, and I yelled to the cabbie, yo, Holmes, smell you later. Looked at my kingdom. I was finally there to sit on my throne as the Prince of Zach Blair. Wow. Rick, you did that well. I didn't think you were going to make it through the whole thing. That was excellent. I didn't think I didn't want to. Very well. I didn't want to. I wanted to read the first one and just refer everyone to John's Twitter. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm a Philly guy. I got into it. Like it was it was fine. So uh, that's just because Zach Blair is playing this week. I guess. And it and it rhymes with Bel Air. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was that was the big part of it. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, thank God we don't have to listen to, to me any longer because I believe we actually have uh, – is this our third collab? See third or fourth? Yeah, it's a good question. I got to wow. go check. It might even be our fourth. So this is a, uh, uh, a I don't know, a ditty, a song written by, by who? Stevie Wonder, at least sung by Stevie Wonder. And who, it's, who who made the Stroke Chain narrative lineup? <laughs> oh, I, I, I actually made this one. Oh, you made it. Oh, my yeah, God. Okay. I made it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. This is a whole an entire family submission. Okay. So so That's Sia right. Sia has taken a Stevie Wonder song, uh, Strokes gained, narratized it, and his wife Gigi is now going gonna play it for us. No melody, no flowers bloom, no Henrik Norlander within the month of. Just called to say, Kevin, you. I just called to say, Callum Terrence. I just called to say, Kevin, you. And I'm Boom. 
so wow. good. How about solid. that? Very, very solid. I just, called, we mentioned I, just Kevin called, I just called to say Kevin Yu. <laughs> Phenomenal. So, so good. GG rocked it. See, I didn't know you wrote this. That's great. Yeah, you know, uh, David usually writes them, but I took a shot at it. You know, I was thinking AT&T. I think of phones like back in my day, guys, you know, before you guys were born, we had phones that were connected to the wall in houses. It was what? crazy. And so there were like two big companies. It was AT&T and I don't even know who the other one was. So um, that made me think of uh, phone calls, old school style. So I just called there you go. Well, well done to both of you, obviously. Uh, David, look, that was the fourth one. Rocket Man, Beach Boys, Beatles, and now Stevie Wonder, he says. Oh, nice. So, we're, yep. well, you're almost at an album. When does That's the right. Strokes Gay Narrative album come out? Well, uh, maybe Sam Harrop could help us with that, actually. He just did uh, – he was at the PGA show, and Kyle and Joe Musso interviewed him. I believe it might be on the feed right now. The first, there, We just dropped like 1,000 – not 1,000, like 15 – interviews from the PGA show and Sam's on there. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to check it out. That's awesome. So good. Sweet. Well done, fam. Good job. You guys, you guys rocked it out. All right. Uh, that'll do it. Now we're going to do the mega preview pod at normal time next week. See ya. So your pick does not have to be in until, uh, what is that? 5 PM Eastern. Is that well, okay? it's still, we, it's still uh, Kyle and I talked about it on Sunday. It's really whenever you want. Uh, this is the yeah. last week of the grace period. I mean, I, I mean, I know tomorrow, t- tomorrow at five p.m. is is a bit arbitrary, I guess. Yeah. So whatever well, you feel, whatever you feel is appropriate, Sia. This is your last week of that. <laughs> also, I should have mentioned this sixty-three <laughs> minutes ago. The one and done link is in the description for the fans. The fans can go get their vote in right now. I know they'll get it in on time because they always do. They're great at that. They never miss a deadline. Go get your pick in right now uh, because we need it for tomorrow's show anything else we need to uh debate or are we good well we closed that strokes and narrative song with james hahn i just want to say in the 6k range i don't hate it throwing that out there don't hate it okay you know what james hahn hates <laughs> everything on twitter okay <laughs> Big, big, <laughs> big thanks to producer Troy. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. Sia Najad at Sia Najad on Twitter. Greg Ducharme with the Real GFD. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.